Hello everyone and welcome back to the shuttle pod. This is shuttle pod 74 and uh, I'm your host Matt and I'm joined by my other Trekkie friends, Brian. Hello everybody. And Lori. Hello. Alright, so we got a little bit of news to talk about and we got a short treks to review and that's that's really about it. So hopefully this is a fun, informative and fairly quick podcast for everyone <laughs> yeah, this will not be one of our epic pods although we always say that yeah. we say that we, <laughs> we look up and it's been yeah. 90 minutes yeah so i think just real quick we want to give a shout out to the 25th anniversary of star trek generations yes indeed which wow talk about you know time time is the fire in which we burn my goodness that <laughs> that time just flew in a way um, yeah yeah i actually remember seeing where i was where i saw that and everything Same. yeah same. Yeah, ditto. It was a big. I mean, honestly, it was a huge deal because this was the mm-hmm. TNG cast making the leap to the silver screen. You know. Yep. And yep. there yep. was a lot of a lot of a lot of uh, high hopes and a lot of stuff riding on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all good things are just. What was it? The end of May, I think it was in May, yeah, right? Right. All good things was broadcast. Then, yeah. Showing out on a high. Yeah. It went out on a huge high. It did. So good. And. And yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, we, it was huge speculation over the summer about what the movie was going to be, and a lot of stuff leaked out. The shooting script actually got out. Right, that's right. Over the did. summer, I actually read the shooting script. A friend of mine, who I will not name, <laughs> got a hold of the shooting script. <laughs> so that would have been the original version, though, that still had the different Kirk death. I it, imagine it did. Uh, yeah. It did. Mm-hmm. Which was which when which, I heard that they were doing reshoots, I was like, "Thank God!" Yeah, thank goodness. It's not a good because <laughs> if you thought the the current version was bad, you should have read the original. Yeah, the original version's pretty terrible. Yeah, it was pretty terrible. But what did you guys think of the movie when you saw it the first time? I mean i I enjoyed it. There were like a few parts that I I found I would say a little cringy would be the mm-hmm. word but i would say the rest of it i loved i'm a total sucker you put those two captains together i will watch them i loved the omelet making <laughs> i love <laughs> yeah, that I did, watch, yeah that didn't bother me i will watch them make omelets actually all day i'll specifically watch that i'll watch them ride horses i'll watch them save the galaxy i that part of it made up for whatever shortcomings yeah. there were and there were you know and there are definitely some shortcomings. quite a few yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I was just excited to see the you know the TNG cast that I had come to love uh, make it to the big screen. So it was really exciting. I remember being very excited as like a kind of a young teenager going to this, being very excited. And um, yeah, it's it's like you said, most of it was was I was along for the ride. I enjoyed it. Uh, it's almost more like after the fact, you kind of go, oh really? Oh, what's <laughs> what happened there? Like what was but, that? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Wh- why? But yeah, I mean, just kind of getting swept along for the ride. I mean, they had great casting. You know, Malcolm McDowell is you know kind of this, this great kind of yeah, scenery chewing McDowell. like obsessed man that you mm-hmm. totally buy. You know, and yeah, I mean, I I, I really liked it. I, it's obviously like doesn't exactly look as amazing <laughs> in hindsight, but I certainly enjoyed it at the time. The movie, the problem the movie had was that it was trying to service too many things. And that's really it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It had to, it had to pay attention and give service time to you know the TNG cast. Then you have William Shatner in it. Yep. And you know, basically, that movie was split between three people: Patrick Stewart, Brent Spiner, and William Shatner. Right. Totally. Totally. 
Um, I will say that I I loved what they did with the TNG sets that they gave it mm-hmm. some more, you know, some more depth and some more action kind of going on. And of course the lighting got really great. And it kind of yeah. made me wonder like, really they couldn't light the show more like this. They couldn't have, you know, in the past seven years, it didn't need to be that dark, but like, goodness, they could have. Well, that was, that's some very delicate lighting going on. <laughs> oh, they're, oh, for sure. Uh, there's absolutely. no way they could have done that on the TV show. But yeah, I agree. They always they had a tendency to shoot TNG in a very flat light. It was very flat, especially like you go look at um, season one and two are probably the flattest of all the seasons, and it's crazy. <laughs> it's just like wow. Yeah. Go back and look. You know, with their HD remasters, you go back and look at them. It's like, dang, that's some harsh lighting. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not pretty. And but they did play around with lighting here and there. Like yesterday's Enterprise has different lighting. Yeah, see that oh, that's yeah. true. See there, there's how they almost did a generations like lighting for it right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Looked good. But yeah, but John Alonzo, you touched on something that I was going to mention. John mm-hmm. Alonzo's cinematography is gorgeous. It's it's very good. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's beautiful. Yeah. It is in my opinion, the prettiest looking Star Trek movie photographically. Mm, that's saying something. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you there, especially because a lot of the eighties Star Trek movies were unfortunately, as we've talked about in our other podcasts, kind of pedestrian looking. So it's, they are. Yeah. So that's true. Although Star Trek five, Andrew yeah, Laszlo's five cinematography in Star Trek five is very good. Yeah. Well, and just in case people didn't know, You've probably been a listener to our podcast for a while, but if you have, if you're newer, we did do a whole podcast on Generations. I encourage Mm -hmm. you to go back and listen to because it's a lot of fun. And um, we also, for the 25th anniversary, just put up on TrekMovie.com a a really wonderful personal essay from uh, friend Steve Avona, who is both kind of reflecting on Generations and then very personal, like what was going on for him at that time. I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a great read. Yeah, very nice. Yep. Kudos to Steve. We really appreciate him contributing that for, to us. Mm-hmm. Like, Did a beautiful job. I yeah. highly recommend people go and read it. It's it's a good one. Please check that out. Honoring 25 years of generations. Mm-hmm. I wanted to touch on the uh, what came out actually last week was we didn't get our review up until just this week because there was a lot going on in Trekland and there was a lot on this Blu-ray set is that Discovery Season 2 came out on Blu-ray. And mm-hmm. the, uh, I mean, there's a full review in Trek Movie, so I highly recommend reading that. But just to touch on something, there were, um, what's what was nice this time, and the last season's, first season stuff, uh, set was pretty bare bones. Like, I was not particularly impressed with, like, the value, you know, the added value of, like, why you should buy it. Um, and they did a much better job this time. Uh, there are, deleted scenes which there were some last season <clears throat> but i think one of the most important things this this time is they included some commentaries which not everybody mm-hmm. loves but uh two of them I have do. yeah and two of them have handsome Anson himself Anson mount <laughs> who as i say this in, 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 the, in my text review but i'll say this here is also a podcaster in himself and he yes he, he is he knows yeah, good how to too. turn on the smooth voice for a podcast i mean he's very pleasant to listen to he's pleasant to look at he's pleasant to listen to you know and so <laughs> he's got both things going on um he knows and so his commentaries are a lot like his you know 
I, I've listened to a few things of his podcast here and there. So yeah, his commentaries, you know, he puts on kind of his podcaster voice. It's very, it's very nice. He does one with Jonathan Frakes and, you know, Frakes is, is a hoot and a great guy in general to like talk to, listen mm. to, you know, whatever. So that's great. Um, much appreciated that they got people, that they rounded people up and did these. It's, it's nice. Uh, and someone also has one with Ethan Peck. That's really cool because, of course, Peck is like very new to mm-hmm. us and we haven't heard a lot from him. So that's cool. Uh, another really nice thing that was missing from season one, and, and we knew these existed, and was that there's a outtakes. There's a little blooper reel uh, this time. Finally. And I know. And we know that it existed for season one. They just didn't feel like putting it on the disc for some well- reason. I mean, I remember asking them about it when I was still on After Trek for season one, and they said no one mm-hmm. even had had time to put anything together for quite some time. Uh, like, they knew they had that's it. That's crazy. They, they knew, knew they, they had, had them, it in but... bits and pieces, but no right. one had had the resources or the time to to yeah. edit it. So this one, they, they did, and I'm really glad they did, because, again, those things are always just fun. We, we know that the cast has a lot of fun together. Like, they talk about it all the time, that they get along, they have fun. They, you know, the long hours are made fun with people goofing off. Sneak was a character. Everybody's like, you know, everybody like Sneak was kind of the leader. She'll, she'll, you know, prank someone. She's she's infamous for doing like her running tackle hugs with people. You know, just we hear all these things, but you know, we never get to see it. So this is it's nice to see um, a personal little favorite moment of mine is Anson Mounts in his in the ready room, and he's supposed to ask Commander Saru for his opinion. And I, I, this just tickles my fan, you know, my fan bone the right way is he mistakenly calls him Commander Data, which just tells you, like, <laughs> yay, come on, Anson Mount, you know, actually watches Star Trek for fun on his own. Mm-hmm. So he, it, it's a fun little mess up. And it's like, yay, an actor who actually likes Trek. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely. That PR spin actually like started. Yeah, actually, he's watched it so much so that he flubbed the line. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. So that's a nice moment. I thought your review actually made me want to go get it. So that was good. Like the description. Oh, was, that's good. Nice. Yeah, yeah. The descriptions were great. Like the especially like deleted scenes and bloopers and stuff like that. Um, and cut the commentary yeah. sound great. Yep, and that's the other thing about the deleted scenes this season is I actually have to say looking at them. I'm actually quite annoyed at most of the that most of these were cut. Almost all of the scenes that were cut really do add to the the story. Like they really, I don't know why they were cut. Um, it's you know, in theory, they shouldn't be cut for time because most of these episodes didn't even run that long anyway. Yeah. And in theory, it's streaming people; That's they're true. not supposed to care. Um, there's some, there's some, you know, some, or especially early on, there are some more moments with, uh, with, with Tilly, like little, like little moments. They, uh, Tilly got cut a lot, which is actually annoying because as we know, we've actually, you know, we bitched about this and quite a bit during the season itself. But of course, Tilly, among other people, just sort of gets sidelined in the back yeah. half of the season. So more, you know, more Tilly is nice. And so there's actually like three scenes of Tilly from New Eden that are just axed and it's really a bummer because they really flesh stuff out there's an extended scene of Tilly trying to go back through her yearbook you know trying to figure out 
where you know where may is now and stuff it's actually really nice like she they have her go through like the signatures page which of course is all holographic so it's basically holographic messages to like your classmates and so they actually cast a young may to leave a note to tilly you know like in her yearbook that was that was there like done finished special effects and everything like and they had a really great kind of uh it's a very trekky moment tilly actually wonders out loud to herself if maybe she's kind of going crazy or whatever and the computer because she was just speaking to the computer to like recall the yearbook actually says like i you know i can't answer that query perhaps you should go see like the chief medical officer or something like that and it's a very classic trek thing where it's like i didn't ask you computer you know how many times have people like wondered out loud to a computer and attempts to answer them that's happened especially in early tng it happened a few times and mm. anyway it's, it's just a very like silly tricky thing that's happened and they cut that and it's like oh why that's the thing that's a small moment that connects us like connects it to other trek right and connects us to tilly and like it's just oh why and another really great thing is there's a cut moment of Saru and Burnham in a turbo in the turbo lift, like from the next episode, and Saru talks to Burnham about Tilly and how he's concerned about her because remember this is when Tilly thinks she's nuts and like freaking out, um, and Saru's even of course noticed it in the command training program, and he kind of says, "Well, you're her roommate. Please keep an eye on her," and then the other nice part is they they the two of them chat about their training together and we learn that saru and michael went through their you know the ctp together on the shenzhou and it's like see that's nice stuff that, like gives yeah, you nice background mm-hmm. and it gives you a nice moment like why why did you cut that like that was a great moment so there's actually quite a few things like that that just like oh why almost everything that's deleted i think should have been left in it really well, you know what would be actually really interesting is is for us to get an interview to find out why they cut them, like talk to the writers. I know that would be really interesting. With because I would be interested, because it can't be. You're right. Like it doesn't make sense that it's for time, because that's not an issue. So I wonder. It's what not supposed to be. In well, it, it's not supposed it, to be, but it is. But like, it is. Yeah. In Canada, it runs on broad. It runs on kind of a broadcast. Situation. I, yeah, I still think you that know. they. I think that they really do sort of keep an eye to that, even though they say they don't. Like my hunch yeah. is that they do. Right. I mean, at least I, a little yeah. bit. I get it with if if they don't have finished visuals, that's different because that costs money to finish. Right. But if it's finished stuff, I don't know. Seems like anyway, it'd be interesting because those decisions are always really hard when you're putting an episode together. Yeah. So I would be really interested to know, like, oh, it almost was this one, and I don't know. Maybe one day we'll get that interview. Maybe one day we could. Yeah, I know. Um, how how does it look, Matt? Uh. You know, uh, season two uh, in general, of course, looked better than season one, I think, mm. overall. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I, in some senses, like, it's not as drastic an improvement when you get it on disc in some ways, you know? Like, I thought season one really needed the help <laughs> when it looked much, like significantly better. Yeah, and well, so, all access is... Yeah, and all access is still not great. So it depends how you watched it. Um, right. I would say if you're watching it on stock, you know cbs all access you will definitely notice it being a little nicer if you got it through amazon 
as an Amazon channel or you're watching it internationally on Netflix, I think you will still notice an uptick, but it's probably not as drastic, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, the breathing room of like being on disc with a much higher bit rate than streaming offers means that dark scenes are better, you know, a little more defined, yep. things like that. You know, it, it's just a little nicer. And how about the sound mix? Uh, good. Very good. Uh, better than, again, I think it's better than last season's. I think last season they got, they let the sound effects, like the, the sort of ex- extra, you know, sound effects sometimes drown out dialogue by a mistake, especially when I was streaming it. I don't know what happened there, but it, season two was, it was, I mean, really everybody stepped up their game in season two. That's the thing. Mm. Like the sound design was better. Everything was better, you know, yeah. about season two. And that just carries over to the disc version. So. There you go. All right. We don't get too many uh, physical media releases these days, correct? <laughs> so no, no, we don't. It's kind of a big deal when one comes along. So yeah, it's nice. If Discovery is your kind of show, get out there and show some support for physical media. <laughs> yes. Not. I mean, I mean, it's true. If you'd like to actually own these things permanently, this is this is the way to do it. You know. Yep. Let's talk. Through, let's talk about the big thing that just popped up today. Like as we went to, you know, earlier today. Then you know, we're recording this on November twentieth, and wow, or this morning, wow. Uh, or actually, sorry, that was late afternoon. I think spacing out. Yesterday, yesterday, yeah. yesterday afternoon. Sorry, yesterday afternoon. Matt's caught in a temporal anomaly. Uh, excuse me. I'm caught. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yes. Like late in the day, basically, that was what else was surprising. It's kind of late in the day, if especially if you're on, if you're on the East Coast. Uh, Deadline, you know, Deadline Hollywood kind of dropped an interesting, interesting little nugget of information about what we thought was pretty much dead, right? Was which is a fourth Kelvin movie, assumed to be mm-hmm. Kelvin, by the way. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, this was really surprising. Kind of nice to hear, but yep. Uh, so a fellow named Noah Hawley is mm-hmm. in talks to both direct and write a new fourth movie. So whatever you knew of before that the, the the movie that was being talked about with that was written by J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay and you know involved Chris Hemsworth and all that stuff that had been shelved indefinitely, which we've covered before on the podcast. That's that's yeah, like that's that's whatever. So. They're basically starting over with this guy. And um, who is this guy? Well, <laughs> he uh, he created Legion for FX. Mm-hmm. And he didn't actually create it because, of course, it was a movie before. But he's the executive producer and showrunner and, you know, all kinds of other things for uh, Fargo on FX. Yep, mm-hmm. which I watch. I love Fargo. So he's got some good prestige to his name. That's that's good. Mm-hmm. The the downside is he did he his first feature film is kind of a flop that was just released last month. So that didn't really work out. So <laughs> he's got a lot of goodwill worked out in the in the in the TV realm anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, just before we dive into it, no, this does not mean the Tarantino Trek thing is dead. That right. that is still t- that's right. That's still on the table. That's always sort of been running in parallel. So don't 
either depending on how you look at this, if you like the idea of Tarantino or you don't, like, don't worry or worry. <laughs> the Tarantino <laughs> Shrek is still going on. It's it's all it's its own separate project, which makes sense because Tarantino is definitely his own thing. Like he's not gonna be tied to one thing. You know, he's gonna mm. want to do what he wants to do. So, but let's let's talk about what this kind of means. Like, well, what do you guys think about it, and and what do we think this means, sort of larger scope? You know, because Paramount is part of Viacom, which is now remerging with CBS very soon. It should be formally done. And what does this mean? You know. I mean, yeah. the, f- the first thing is you have to discount a lot of the headlines that I keep seeing that are just assuming that the whole cast is attached because that has not happened yet. Yeah. You will note that our write up does not say that because <laughs> that is definitely not a given. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to cost a lot of money to, to get the band back together. Yes. I mean, I personally hope they do it. I would love oh, yeah. that. I'd like them uh. to the yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I, nothing is guaranteed. So I, it's just I've seen a lot of headlines that actually say with Chris Pine returning, and it's like uh, he, nobody said that just yet. So calm down. No, it's an no, assu- and, it's and, an assumption being made, not right, anything else. Right, and we also need to remember that this was this whole story was likely floated by Hawley's agent, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, mm-hmm. which there's been no response from Paramount or Bad Robot or anybody else. Right. So I mean, is it happening? Yes, very likely, but it's not a done deal. No, not which, at all. Right. Which means ten million other things have to fall into place before they would even make a formal announcement of a movie. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean, they got to have a script. They got to be ready to do it before they're gonna. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a there's a long way to go before this, if this ever becomes a reality. Yeah. And I think a, lo- a long way to go, I think, is another important piece, yes. which is like, um, so if, if they're just starting over again, when, you know, this movie is what, 2022, maybe, if, you know? Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I can't see it. I can't see it coming up. Well, maybe I, 21. If, if, they, yeah. if they sped it up, maybe tw- maybe the fall of 2021. Yeah. yeah. But, but they're going to have to rush to do that. Yeah. And, and, and really like, yeesh, uh, you know, <laughs> does it matter? Like at that point, it's been a. It's been really long. I mean, it's yeah. been so long. And the other thing is, you know, the CBS side of things is ramped up and is doing a lot. I don't. Does anybody care? You know, like at this point, yeah. about another one of these yeah. movies. Yeah, at, at minimum, it'll be a five-year gap, and it'll be following up on a movie that underperformed, which is a, a shame because I yeah. liked it a lot. But yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it definitely it. It definitely had its moments. I, I definitely agree. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a good question to ask whether anybody's going to really care about it by then. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like they got to they gotta jump on it. And, they well, they should have jumped on it, you know, two years ago at this point, really. But, I mean, yeah, what is it going to look like? And, of course, the other kind of crazy thing is while they're still separate entities – at this point, like by 2021, they will at least be merged back together under the Viacom CBS umbrella. And it, it won't necessarily change this, but like it does just mean that they're back together as corporate siblings. And, yeah. you know, maybe maybe that gets restructured at some point. You know, maybe things get restructured. Well, I mean, theoretically, the merger is going to kick in probably next month. Right, it, or the is month it that after. Soon? It, I mean, I think they soon. assumed it was in the new year. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's coming soon. Yeah. It's not going to take long for this. No. This is going to this will pass the regulatory channels pretty pretty quickly. Right. Um <clears throat> but but yeah, I mean this whole thing comes across I think where everybody was thrown off when this was announced because it's like as Matt just said, like the mergers coming back, you know, bringing everything back together. CBS and Paramount are supposed to return to being this one big entity. Star Trek is supposed to be under one roof again. But I don't think I it's guess, going to be that cut and dry, though. You no, know? or at least not right now. Because, yeah, not, not in the short Because, time. I mean, part of what's going on here is that Bad Robot owes Paramount another movie. I guess that's true, because they had that fourth one, yeah, that they had already sort of pre-announced and pre-planned you know, planned for or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. They, I mean, when they signed him to a deal a few years back, this was part of the deal uh, when they signed J.J. Abrams. So. Uh, when they that oh yeah when they re-upped his whatever a few years yeah ago. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure that this was this was you know it was a it covered a third and fourth film yeah, yeah. I, 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 I believe that was the case interesting if that's true yeah. that certainly explains why they're like okay well then let's just get this over with you know because because <laughs> Bad Robot of course now has a first look deal over, uh, where did JJ get Warner. Yeah, remember. that's more than a first look deal. That's a full blown like. Oh, it's a full. It's a full blown deal. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. That, so yeah. As far he, as I know, that they, they're going to be almost exclusive to Warner Brothers okay. at a certain point. Okay. So like, oh, that's that's a good. <laughs> they'll wrap up whatever extra things they've got going on, and I think they're more or less. I could be wrong about this, but that was what I had been reading. That okay. they're pretty exclusive to Warner Brothers. Okay. This for the well, next let's five see. Years. All the more reason why they sort of want to things they don't want to have their fingers in. They they just want to get rid of. You know? Yeah, and and they're not going to ever be able to do a whole lot with Star Trek, and they know that. Yeah, so they know. oh, that's what I mean. Just, they don't want to. Yeah. They don't even want to bother at this point. I'm sure. Yeah, you yeah. know. So, uh, speaking of you know, sort of costly production overhead, I wonder what kind of budget they will actually do for this movie because, you know, I just I can't, they can't. They, it's not it's not fair either to the movie, you know, to the to the movie itself. And in general, it just can't be done. They better not do this, you know, 150, 185, whatever million budget. They just, it, mm-hmm. the, the Trek movie can't sustain that the way that they want it to. No, I think they know that. And I hope that they know that. And I hope that they figure out a great way to scale things down in a good way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I would love to see. I mean, obviously, there's a million things we all want to see. And we were talking about this as a team mm-hmm. the track everybody on track movies been talking about it about how everybody's definition of what makes a good star trek movie is actually different anyway but i can say for me i would love more story and less you know angry vengeance and big action and there's yes, always please. the talk <laughs> is that it has to be big action to be a big star trek movie but i'm not a hundred percent sure that that's and apparently there needs to be somebody with revenge every damn time too yeah not do that but here's the thing once please is like there's an advantage to getting someone who's done a lot of tv because tv i'm a tv junkie i love tv and i love it because you can really explore characters and get into deeper stories and so Mm -hmm. the idea that's it's that it's gonna i would love for it to be more about hey we came up with a really cool story versus hey we got a lot of money to spend on special effects and yep. a super cool guest star yeah so, and i think mm-hmm. and i think that's i mean honestly i have a feeling that's part of the reason why they're interested in uh no holly is is that he's mostly a tv guy and that's yeah. probably good you know i think, I think so. that's a good thing yeah 
that that means he can work, you know, quickly and within a budget, yeah. like a much smaller budget than a motion picture would have. You know, it's like, okay, good. Those are good things. Like, they're story focused. They're, right. you know, it's like, yeah, that's what we need. And of course, like, you know, this is the kind of thing that, like, we could have told Paramount this, uh, you know, in 2016 when they were trying to figure out what number four was. You know, it's like, hello, anyone who knows this, like, has been paying attention to the history of Trek movies and what works and what doesn't could tell you that that's not how this works. You should get someone who's focused on story. You should get someone who's focused on character, you know, no, they were and knows how to execute. They... Yeah, well, they thought that they could turn Star Trek into a Marvel type of thing, or you know, right? Because everyone thought they had a property that they could do that to. Yeah, um, I mean, you had you had Brad Gray going around, who was head of Paramount, thinking there was no reason why Star Trek couldn't be like Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Uh huh. That was the thinking, but that's not how Star Trek works. No, nope. it's, it's not it's how it takes, works. <laughs> no, and it's take it. It tends to cost a lot of money for studios to learn that yep <laughs> doesn't it though <laughs> yeah well said <laughs> yes so you know um again very early on doesn't mean tons but but again kind of optimistic that this is the right kind of person as far as mm-hmm. as far Definitely. as you know coming from a tv background does you know does really good kind of has has you know does good genre and good you know character moments from the tv shows that he's overseen that's good that's a good sign i will say it is a bummer that we in the meantime they lost sj clarkson as a director just because we're back to a dude i know i know i was so i mean again i don't want to say i'm disappointed because maybe he's great so i'm not ruling out Uh that he could be great but i definitely had a little moment of like oh it was gonna be a woman that yep. would have been so great, yep. finally. Yep. So that was a little disappointing. Bad timing. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Um, but we shall see, you know. Let, well, let's see how this all turns out, because really what what matters is if somebody can deliver a, a good, scaled-down, but good script. That's what yeah. matters. And if it is scaled down, we're going to learn how it's going to affect the cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cast thing interests me, because, like, sort of intrigues me because I'm not really sure aside from Zoe Saldana who is you know made it big with Marvel um not really sure who else can command really could command a lot of uh money at this point you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I mean that's good for us as far as assembling the cast but hopefully that means that they they figure it all out yeah we'll see we'll see what happens Uh, as we've discussed on the podcast before one of the things that tends to crop up with Star Trek movies is that as they go on and the casts ask for more money, they end up soaking up a disproportionate amount of the production yep. budget. Yep. And the above the line part is not just that, but Bad Robot still gets a piece of the pie, a large That's piece right. of the pie from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, Holly's own production company, of course, now gets, you know, to throw their name in that. So right. there's another production company you're paying there. You know, it's like, okay, well, there you go. Yeah. You so. know, it's like you get to pay Holly's salary as a director and a writer. You get to pay him as a producer. You get to pay JJ Abrams as a producer. You get to, you know, it's like, wow, this is, this is expensive and you haven't done anything right but 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 pay people <laughs> who have titles uh-huh. you know and and that's that's an unfortunate side effect of this you know 
it's like yep that's yeah. hollywood for you yep. yeah yep that's hollywood especially these days that's hollywood for you yep yep yeah so it's good this movie will have a lot of hurdles to overcome i it, think it will made yeah. But hey, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, yeah. I certainly think the cast actually wants to do it. As, I mean, they want. Yeah. They're going to want money, and the ones who are more valuable yeah. are going to want it. But I think that they want to do it, and they want to get back together, and they liked it, so they're motivated. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they all say that they have a great time together, and they all, every one of them, said they're open to doing more. In theory, like they're open to doing more. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. That's good. And then we could bring back Sophia Butella. That's Jayla. Oh yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. I think a lot of people want that because they're not going to recast Chekhov. You know, they promised right, that, right. which is good, and I really they better stick to that promise. Yeah. Um, and I yeah, I think I think the perfect person is Jayla you know, to take over. That's uh, be, that'd be great. Yeah, well, they were kind of setting it up that way. They yeah. were. They were setting kind it up. Way, so I think so. they should do it. I think they should act on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know what Sophia Patel is up to, but I bet you they could work it out. But it would give us it would give us something fresh too, which is nice. Like automatically yes. having this this new person who's trying to fit in in a different way. Mm-hmm. It'd be great. Yep. We'll see where that heads where that brings us. Yeah. Back in the CBS world, a short tricks dropped last week. Mm-hmm. And I do mean short. This is the shortest of the short tricks yet. At that actual eight minutes of content. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked uh, when it was over. It's, it was actually a little <laughs> yeah, too short. Fast. Yeah, it felt very short. It was good though. Like I had, I don't really have any problems with the brevity of it, but it, but it was kind of shockingly short when you look at the, yeah <laughs> at the counter. You know, at the time index, you're like, whoa, that was only. An hour. <laughs> uh, and so I'm talking about Anson Mount's, you know, uh, starring role because of course he's been there for 30 seconds in the last couple of short tracks, but this is his time to shine. Uh, in the episode titled Ask Not. So let me give you a little little rundown on it, and then we can talk about it. Uh, when an attack on Starbase 28 leaves a surprise prisoner under Cadet Therisidu's watch, she is faced with making a decision that may threaten her standing in Starfleet. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> uh, it's written by Kalinda Vasquez and directed by Sanji Sanaka. Real quick, I think the title is pretty obviously a, a JFK illusion, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is nice in a way. Actually, I thought it was very fitting because we've talked about this in the podcast that TOS is very much a part of the JFK era of, of you know, Americana. Yep. And so somebody, I guess, kind of thought about that, too, because this is, you know, a very, a very you know, TOS Pike era thing. So eh, kudos to them for that. Now, I don't know. Let's talk about if it was all that successful, though. <laughs> I want to know what Brian thought. Yeah, what was your sort of general thought, and then we can drill down. I mean, you could kind of figure out pretty quickly what's going on. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Overall, though, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was okay. I I, I didn't have a really strong feeling about it either way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit sadistic. Yes. Yes. It is. It is. For for Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. It's quite the hazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. And like we've seen them do all these like it didn't bring anything new to the table. We've seen this before. Yes. You basically. We've yeah. seen the Kobayashi Maru. We saw what Wesley went through and it just feels like, oh okay. Right. It's fine. Like I didn't it didn't necessarily bother me all that much, but it it didn't feel like it was 
I guess I didn't understand what the point of it was. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think is it's kind of like a little harmless little aside. And it's yes, re- that's what it is. Exactly right. And, and, exactly and, right. And, and I think the point of it is that, that there isn't really much of one in-universe. I think out-of-universe, the point is to showcase Hanson Mount and um, the... Uh, I have to say, the newcomer... Um, dang it. Now I can't think of what her name is as an actress. Amrit, totally... Her name's Amrit Kaur, something like that. I don't know how to yeah, pronounce yeah. it. She, she yeah, looks Amrit Canadian, Kaur. which makes me happy. I think she's from, yeah, I think she's local. She's, yes, mm. she is. She's a, she's a local. She did a really great job, especially for being sort of a newer actress, you know, younger and newer. Um, I thought she did a great job sort of holding her own against, you know, Anson Mount, because this is definitely Anson Mount's vehicle. And I liked both of them. You know, I think they did both did a great job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought she did great. But I I also, so I, I watched it and I kept, I was just confused about what the point of it was. Like, what was the... Yes. Yeah. But then, yeah. so, and I, I had to keep thinking about it because I'm like, so, I mean, but why did they want to tell this story? Like, not it's not that it has to have a moral, but that something right. inspired somebody to write it. And I have to say that I kind of have a theory that it's actually about something else. I think... It's and maybe I'm just crazy and I made this whole thing up, but I feel like it has a lot to do with what's going on politically right now and that she has to decide if the person mm-hmm. who she's been told is the most powerful person, which not only is he powerful because he commands the enterprise, which she wants to be on, but then he asserts that he's supposed to have the tactical advantage of everything that's going on, right? Right. Uh-huh. She's told, don't let him do these things. And she has to decide if she's going to let him do these things. And he appeals to her Mm -hmm. very, very base needs. He appeals to the fact that the story is that her husband's on this other ship. So now it's very personal. And he says things like that they're going to blow the Tholians to hell. It's what they deserve, which is a very non-Pike kind of thing. Yeah, he's very out of character. And then he even says, and at the end, he said, you know, that we needed to know that you'll honor your commitment to Starfleet even when old wounds are triggered. And to me, it just felt very much like they're trying to talk about authority when it gets too powerful and how you have to stick with what you know. But but again, Mm. the flaw in that is the security guys just came in and said, mutiny bad guard him and she had no way of knowing actually who was correct <laughs> right she took them right. at their word but then right. of course like didn't take pike at his word so it's like well which, why did you believe one over the other yeah right so that piece for me was missing to do the final to, to actually make my theory work was that we're missing that final piece of there's a reason to believe them and they just came in showed her who he was and then said are you okay with this intelligence like after she saw who he was um and then made her stay in the room so then i was a little bit confused again about what the point was unless you guys are right and it was just meant to be like a diversion well i mean it's but i think it's both because they were obviously trying to say something like you know at least a little something about you know starfleet ideals and things like that at the very least they were trying to do something there you know Mm. um it's hard not to see something about like, look, can you stand by your training? Can you stick with, you know, the chain of command as you know it? Right. And and she does, of course, like she recites things and she says, look, like you're not in command here because you've been relieved of duty. You're a prisoner. And she kind of goes through, you know, the regulations and the chain of command 
as she knows it, you know, as a sort of whatever fourth year cadet that's almost, you know, almost ready to become an officer or whatever. And that's, it's, you know, that kind of stuff is nice. No, and also, while you're talking about regulations, you got it because someone put this on Mm -hmm. Twitter. And I wish I could remember who it was, but it was a video showing that when he is quoting the regulation that gives the Enterprise tactical advantage, Janeway quoted the exact same one, yep. the number of it and exactly how it goes in um, Equinox, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. Yeah. So that's that was good. I appreciated that. Right. And the reserve activation clause thing is from is yep. from the motion picture. Yep. Good old Disco McCoy getting pissed about being reactivated. <laughs> yeah. In simpler language, Captain, they drafted me. <laughs> Let's go watch it right now. I know, um. right? That's, <laughs> that's our next episode. Yep. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like that part's all good. That that proves that somebody looked at Memory Alpha. <laughs> yeah. For which is good. I mean, I appreciate they, that. they don't always seem to do that. So at least in the right ways, let's say, and. Um, just interesting uh yeah uh minor things though uh really the the like the nanotech hood yeah really why no like why not why would you do that also why why was the hood necessary at all quite frankly well they said they didn't want the rest of the crew to see i know they said that but like it just, it was not... That, that looks like, that looks like the, this is torture and this is Guantanamo. He's, he's wearing, wait, wait, he's wearing command gold. Exactly. Yeah. Got, you can see everything else about He's him. got his captain stripes on his uniform. Exactly. Yeah. You can see everything about this person. That is clearly a starship captain. Right. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, there are only two starships docked at that starbase because we can see it on a, on a display. So you got a 50-50 <laughs> shot at who that is. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like yeah, it didn't, it didn't make sense, and it also, like I said, it didn't make sense to to reveal him. Yeah, but to reveal him and then say, "Can we trust you with this?" Is like, well, what if it's no? <laughs> what if it's no? I'm yeah. gonna go tell everybody. Right, so, right. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was really weird. Like, like why? But why bother with that at all? I don't get it. I mean, maybe that was supposed to be our clue that they were all acting, but. <laughs> yeah, okay. Seemed, maybe. Yeah, I don't think so. It seemed extreme for sure. Oh, I, I will say, man, it, it, she herself might want to might start to get suspicious given how specific the uh, the information is targeted at her. Like Pike knows, like it's like the entire scenario is set up targeted at her. Like conveniently, it's the ship that her husband is on. Pike knows that, and was very quick to sort of use that against her. You know, like. All these, yeah. it's 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 one of those like, damn, you're definitely in a simulation. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How would he know that otherwise? to you, and Tholians are attacking, and you survived a Tholian attack yeah. like a few years ago. Hmm, how can how convenient, you know? Like, yeah, you yeah. Know. No, and look, when Wesley had his terrible psych test that he was so worried about, he did know that the, he didn't know that was the test, but he knew he right. was. But he knew there he knew was, there was going to be a test, and that it was going to be really yep. hard. So one would assume she knew the same thing at some point. But apparently, and that's what makes it even weirder, is apparently not. Apparently, this is not the psych test. and It's not the Kobayashi <laughs> Maru. This is like, this. the way they make it sound is that this is basically like hazing to even get on the Enterprise in the first place. Yeah, like, it's it totally like separate. It. It's only if you want to actually be cool enough to hang out with the cool kids on the Enterprise to, to, can you, do you get this test. 
And I think that's where we should talk about the practicality or the impracticality of this freaking test. Like, because so, so what? This involves like two security officers, Pike. The captain. Yep. Nope. Pike. The first officer. Number, the science yeah, officer. number one and Spock help like program the simulation or whatever. It's number one's it's number one's idea in the first place she you know she says basically and then what why why do we all do that like why did everyone's resources you know time and energy go into this for a cadet who's doing like a fourth year tour with them huh yeah yeah Yeah, it's kind of weird to prove her commitment to starfleet was the answer they gave which is just weird which like yes but no you know like why yeah did they make her sign a loyalty oath? Yeah, yeah, like it was right? it was odd. It was odd. But again, she gave I I enjoyed her performance a lot. I thought she was really good. She was good. But, and he was yep. great cuz he's always great. But yeah, I didn't really understand why we were there. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of just this weird. I mean, it was fine, like I said. It was like I, I but yeah, I, I didn't quite understand what why we were there. Right. Again, it just it's a nice showcase for the two actors. It's really what I I, yeah. I got out of it. Um, uh, and then uh, um, another practical of sorts, or in this case, virtual practical issue is that the very end, what the hell is that engineering set? Because that's all virtual. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, that was very clearly not real. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so this, this is the danger, people, with having everything being done in CG. You don't have to think about the real physical properties of anything anymore. It doesn't matter. So then, like, ridiculous, ridiculous, excessive virtual sets come into mm-hmm. being like this. Like, no. One, no. And, and there's actually, <laughs> no, like, no. I'm not a big, I don't always like fan service, but the sets are such a fun, great way to do, like, you make it your own, but you base it on something. But you and keep, That yeah. would have been a really nice, a nice nod if they'd made it you know a little more familiar. well and what's you know what you know what's really crazy yeah. is of course you know what has better nods to tos the discovery uh engineering test bay that we always see yeah yeah that the fact that you can see the warp core through like that you know through that door is very mm-hmm. reminiscent of like you know the tos engineering set yep absolutely and, and it's like okay so see see that so now you get to do that but like for real because it's the enterprise like now show us like the real version, you know, the full version of that. And instead it had a really funky, I mean, of course, so it had a vertical warp core, which that's what you come to expect from later, you know, from the refit on, but that's not necessarily really what, how it was. We don't really get a good look at it, of course, in TOS at all, but it was kind of, it was pretty obviously whatever we saw, it was actually horizontal in TOS first off. Mm. And then second off, like, uh yeah why does it have to be this thing connected by like lots of neon i don't know like oh well, they love neon they, they love, love neon yeah i know i don't know why they do there's neon on the bridge too for no reason sure yeah i, th- I thought that might get irritating to the people who spent all day on it <laughs> <laughs> this engineering set looks far more advanced than the enterprise e or anything else yeah, and it's yeah. massive. It couldn't physically fit. It's in massive. The Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know where the hell it would fit on the Enterprise itself, and it doesn't even stay consistent with the production design they've already established for this Disco Prize. Right. 
because like the bridge you know it has it has its pluses and minuses but it actually overall is is a fairly nice like faithful yeah. update to the bridge mm-hmm. absolutely and so it's like okay so then why are why is engineering Even the corridors are fairly faithful they try they, 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 right they, 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 they try to split job. the difference and they did a pretty good job i thought right. and then you get this engineering set i'm like what is what what, what where are we right <clears throat> and that's just a bummer like well it's like it's like those turbo lift rides when they go with yep, the exterior the turbo lift the turbo ride. Lift, <laughs> it looks like you're on a it looks like you're on a ship the size of a planet yeah, yeah. with roller coasters inside of it yeah exactly yeah. yeah they don't really bother thinking about stuff like that despite the fact that they know that it drives us all crazy maybe that's probably why they do it maybe we're being trolled <laughs> you think i'm kidding the production now i don't know the production design could be doing that just to mess with us i don't know I will say though, on the real physical sets, they did a great job redressing bits and pieces of uh, some of the disco and some other stuff, and throwing it together to make this little starbase. Uh, I guess it was like a what was it? Basically, like a tool room, like a like a inventory room. Yeah, something like <laughs> that. Yeah. But I mean, it's good. It looked it looked enough different, like similar, but enough different that I wasn't like, oh yeah. That's actually like the Discovery Corridor, and they just closed it off. You know what I mean? Like, it was nice. I couldn't quite tell where they had pulled from. Sometimes when they readjust stuff, you're like, oh, no, that's totally readjust of X, you know? So that was mm-hmm. good. They they moved enough walls around and dropped, you know, some new things in or whatever that I was like, cool. I don't actually know where this is. I can right see now, bits it, and pieces, but I don't know exactly yeah. where it's from. But it mostly looked like a new set. I agree. Yeah. So yeah. good job there. Yep. I thought yep. that part was good. I mean, again, it wasn't Absolutely. that there was anything terrible. It was just, just yeah, there's yeah. nothing particularly wrong. It's just yeah. not, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. I mean, look, yep. they're <laughs> they're shorts, so they're not meant to be insanely ambitious. No, of course, but not. it That's would right. be there's yeah. you know we've seen a bunch of them now, and some are stronger than others. So I wouldn't put this in the stronger category. Agreed. But we're getting two new ones next. I know. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 just real quick. We should say that because we get a little at the end of this one is a very very quick, like three seconds of each of them. Yeah, blink like you miss it. Yeah, yeah. of the, the the we get a first kind of glimpse at some ideas for some animated Trek. We get the girl who made the stars, which is, certainly seems to be about that African tribe legend that Burnham talked about. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then Ephraim and Dot and. Uh, Dot is one of those little goofy Dot 7s that showed up at the end of uh, the Discovery Season 2 finale. And we're all like, why the hell are there Star Wars droids in the hole of the Enterprise? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that went over really well. Well, so, I mean, I'm pretty sure they must have done that to set up this short. I'm pretty sure they they had something in mind for it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like it was planted to do something cutesy so they get you know what i mean like i feel like it was it was all set up to do something cute for this i don't know could be wrong but you never know i mean these shorts were these animated shorts were were in the pipeline for quite a while because they uh the the producers have talked about that they were actually surprised at how long the lead time was for animation they were surprised even at these shorts they were a little surprised at how long you know Hmm. the lead time was so it does it makes me think that they were, you know, kind of cross-pollinated purposefully. Like, but we'll see. Uh, and Ephraim is uh, that I. This is a great bit of trivia. Thanks to After Trek, Yay. in fact. 
Yay. Yep. Yay. <laughs> the the RIP after Trek. Yeah. We found out that uh the Tardigrade was going to be a full blown character, at least for a while, like kind of a reoccurring character. When Brian Fuller was running. Yeah, yeah. early he, on. He was gonna be Stamets' boss. Oh that's right. Yeah, yeah his boss, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's gonna be a Tardigrade. <laughs> But a more of a humanoid, you know, more of a like upright talking kind of yes, tardigrade. Yes, an upright talking named, tardigrade. Named Ephraim. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like they found a way to resurrect him. <laughs> so it's yep. no surprise that Ephraim is a pretty cute little cutesy cartoony looking tardigrade. Yeah. Yep. They said they realized it was just much too expensive to even attempt. I could yeah, imagine any, so. Any, any digital character like that for a TV show is going to be immensely complicated. Yeah, they can't really, you know, pay Andy Circus a bunch of money to go get wear dots on his face and yeah. for, <laughs> for for a whole season. I mean, so we'll see how it all plays out. Twenty twenty mm-hmm. is going to be a very interesting year. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Because we'll get our first kind of main like mainstream animated trek which is lower decks because these two are just a little these little guys that are coming up are just a little aside they're just a little mm-hmm. you know they're and they're all yeah, and, totally. and all of them are different styles that's the other thing both visually and otherwise they're they're different styles so what you've seen you know next month is not indicative of any other animated right. show right so we'll see it'll be interesting mm-hmm. 2020 will be a very interesting cbs trek year fingers crossed yeah whoever thought we'd have this much again it's a lot, it's a lot i coming. never thought we'd have this much again no. really i thought one mm-hmm. you know maybe two series kind of at some point that's really it yeah it's exciting mm-hmm. a brave new world <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody well thanks for hanging in there and we will see you next time Yes, next time we will finally be doing our 40th anniversary special on Star Trek The Motion Picture. You know it. All right, everybody. Good night. Bye, guys. Talk to you soon. All right, bye.